Welcome to A Great Big City News, episode 31. Today, a Manhattan Hinge sundown and the 1977 blackout. If you're an individual listener who would like to support the podcast, visit agreatbigcity.com support and make a one-time or monthly contribution. Or if you're a local business or just someone with something to promote, visit agreatbigcity.com advertising to view rates and learn more about our single episode community calendar ads and the multiple types of monthly ads available. Hi, I'm Trey Skilton, founder of A Great Big City. New York honored the U.S. women's national soccer team for their fourth World Cup victory with a ticker tape parade and a presentation at City Hall on July 10th, where each member of the team received a key to the city. The team has won 48 of its last 50 games and has now won four out of eight total women's World Cups that have been played. The team has achieved superstar status and was cheered on by an estimated 300,000 fans in Lower Manhattan. Here's co-captain Alex Morgan suggesting a few new titles for the team now that they've racked up their fourth World Cup. Um, Thank you all so much. I think that we have been known as America's favorite soccer team. But from here on out, we'll just be known as America's team. Thank you guys. I love you guys so much. And here's how co-captain Megan Rapino described what makes the team special. This group is so resilient, is so tough, has such a sense of humor. It's just so badass. Like, there's nothing, nothing that can phase this group. We're chilling. We got tea sipping. We got celebrations. We have pink hair and purple hair. We have tattoos and dreadlocks. We got white girls and black girls and everything in between. Straight girls and gay girls. Hey! I couldn't be more proud to be a co-captain with Carly and Alex with this team. Um, It's my absolute honor to lead this team out on the field. Um, There's no other place that I would rather be, even in the presidential race. I'm busy, I'm sorry. The celebration at City Hall wrapped up fairly quickly, but not without a few memorable moments, with the crowd chanting equal pay when U.S. Soccer Association President Carlos Cordero began his speech referencing the discrepancy in pay between the men's and women's teams that also led the women's team's players to bring a class-action lawsuit against the U.S. Soccer Federation, claiming it was a violation of the Equal Pay Act. Megan Rapino later praised Carlos Cordero for his dedication to the team, but teased him for the chance that he received while saying that she believed he was on the team's side and was going to make things right. According to the Department of Sanitation, seven tons of paper were collected along the route of the ticker tape parade and were recycled. I think I'll just end with this. Um, This is my charge to everyone. We have to be better. We have to love more, hate less. We gotta listen more and talk less. We gotta know that this is everybody's responsibility. Every single person here. Every single person who's not here. Every single person who doesn't want to be here. Every single person who agrees and doesn't agree. It's our responsibility to make this world a better place. 
Back in April, on episode 18, we talked about an attempted arson at St. Patrick's Cathedral. And now, Mark Lamparello, the man charged in the attack, has been declared mentally unstable to stand trial. Both his family and his lawyer detailed his erratic behavior in the months prior to his arrest, and Lamparello admitted to police that he had stopped taking his medications prescribed for schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. He's now likely to be sent for mental health treatment. The arson attempt came just days after both a devastating fire at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris and a string of arsons at historic churches in Louisiana. Two days before bringing gasoline and lighter fluid to Manhattan, Lamparello had also refused to leave a Newark church. Before heading to St. Patrick's, Lamparello had purchased a $2,800 plane ticket to Italy that was set to leave the next day. And in December 2018, he had gone to New Jersey police with claims that he was being stalked by a police vehicle outside his home. Sadly, this week marks multiple police shootings in recent years. Seven years ago, on July 5, 2012, NYPD officer Brian Groves is shot while chasing a suspected drug dealer in a stairwell of the Seward Park Extension NYCHA housing on the Lower East Side. The shooting took place around 3.40 a.m. when Officer Groves and his partner, Eric Cornell, encountered a man in a stairwell with a revolver. After running after him from the 22nd down to the 19th floor, the suspect turned and shot Officer Groves in the chest, and he escaped. Officer Groves was saved by his Kevlar bullet-resistant vest, but later retired due to injuries from the shooting. Despite a massive police response and presence in the area for weeks after the shooting, the suspect remains unidentified and at large to this day. Two years ago, on July 5, 2017, NYPD officer Miyasotis Familia is killed while sitting in a police vehicle in Fordham Heights in the Bronx. The attack was unprovoked and the killer fled the scene, only to be quickly located by the massive police response and shot dead when he pointed the murder weapon at police. A bystander was also shot in the stomach during the exchange of gunfire. Twelve years ago on July 9, 2007, NYPD officer Russell Timoshenko is shot during a traffic stop in Crown Heights and dies five days later. After pulling over a vehicle on Rogers Avenue that displayed incorrect license plates, Officer Timoshenko and his partner, Herman Yan, were shot as they approached the vehicle. The three occupants ditched the car a few blocks away and fled. Officer Yan was saved by his bullet-resistant vest, but Officer Timoshenko was struck in the neck and died from his injuries after there were no signs of him recovering from a coma. All three people in the stolen vehicle were career criminals. One was captured in Far Rockaway and provided police with the identities of the other two, who had fled across Long Island, north to Connecticut, and east to Pennsylvania, where they were then spotted along Interstate 80 by a driver and apprehended in the forest bordering the highway. The two shooters were found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. The third man was found guilty of gun possession charges and sentenced to 15 years in prison. An NYPD canine officer was named in honor of Officer Timoshenko, and he and his partner, Detective Benny Kolechia, now sniff out illegal guns and carry on the crime-fighting legacy of Russell Timoshenko. The Wall Street Bull may get some breathing room by next summer. In a Department of Transportation proposal, the area surrounding the narrow plaza at Bowling Green, where the Charging Bull statue was placed in 1989, will be modified to be more pedestrian-friendly. A smaller pedestrian area was recently installed to extend the park to the north, 
but visitors to the bull still need to stand in the middle of Broadway traffic to see the statue, and NYPD cruisers frequently park alongside the area during busy hours to oversee the crowds. The plan would keep both sides of the plaza open to traffic, but change the east side to a left-hand turn onto what would be redesigned as a shared street. Vehicle traffic would be limited to 5 miles per hour and would need to creep past pedestrians if drivers wanted to connect in at Beaver Street. The redesign is still in the planning stages and the Department of Transportation expects to begin work after the summer. When the Fearless Girl statue was moved from the plaza in November 2018 and relocated to outside the New York Stock Exchange, there was also talk of moving the Bull statue, but it seems that the Bull will stay in its current location long enough to celebrate its 30th anniversary coming up in December 2019. Put on your darkest sunglasses and hold your cell phone camera high, because on Friday, July 12th and Saturday, July 13th, Manhattan Hinge brings its golden glow to the streets of New York. Sun worshippers will be dashing into the intersections just before sundown to see the twice-a-year phenomenon when the setting sun lines up with the Manhattan street grid. Check out our guide with photography tips and the best viewing locations at agreatbigcity.com slash manhattanhinge and send in your photos to a great big city on social media. Forty-two years ago on July 13, 1977, a two-day blackout sweeps across the city. The power loss began after 9 p.m. on July 13th and began returning from 7 a.m. to 10.30 p.m. on July 14th. There had been another large blackout in November 1965 that caused most neighborhoods to lose power, but the night was calm and a mere inconvenience. By the summer of 1977, the city was a different world, and during the next blackout, looting and arson fires hit many neighborhoods. In the Bronx, 50 cars were stolen from a Pontiac dealership. In total, 4,500 people were arrested for crimes committed during the blackout, and damages across the city were estimated at $300 million. As a consequence of the blackout, power companies modified their equipment and procedures to better protect against such a failure in the future. 23 years ago on July 17, 1996, TWA Flight 800 explodes and crashes in Suffolk County after takeoff from JFK Airport, killing all 230 people on board. The NTSB investigation took four years and was the only instance when a crashed plane had been fully rebuilt, but the investigation could only come to a general conclusion that the explosion began in the center fuel tank and the source of the ignition could not be determined. The results of the investigation eventually led to a new safety requirement for a device that removes oxygen from an empty fuel tank, which was thought to have accumulated and ignited in Flight 800's center tank, which would have been mostly empty and only filled with fuel for long flights. When the new rule was fully enacted in 2008, the National Air Traffic Controllers Association questioned why the oxygen removal process only applied to center fuel tanks, like Flight 800's, and not wing-mounted fuel tanks a change which was also recommended by the NTSB. A memorial to those lost was built near the crash site at Smith Point County Park that includes the flags of the 13 home countries of those killed in the crash 
and the rebuilt Boeing 747 plane is now located in Virginia and used to train crash investigators. Coming up next on the Great Big City. This woman bought what she thought was a watermelon, but you won't believe what happened next. <clears throat> Coming up. Would you like to enable desktop notifications? I said no already. Coming up next. Homeowners in Oswego, New York can't believe this one weird trick. Other news websites are quick to trick their readers with clickbait headlines and undercover ads, but a great big city is dedicated to keeping the news straightforward and factual. If a great big city has kept you informed over the years, make a contribution at agreatbigcity.com slash support. And if you're a local business, visit agreatbigcity.com slash advertising to view rates and learn more. Would you like to enable desktop notifications? Oh, not again. Park of the Day Jennings Park, at the BQE in Queens Boulevard, is a tiny piece of land that was acquired in 1958 during renovations to the BQE. Named for Alan Jennings, an associate to Robert Moses, it's one of a series of parks in the area named after prominent figures from the Moses years. In Parks Events, find a new location for viewing the upcoming Manhattan Hinge by Leaving Manhattan. There will be a unique perspective available across the East River in Hunters Point Park. Located in South Long Island City along the coastline, the new park offers a view straight across the water to 34th Street, giving a view of the entire Manhattan skyline with the sun glowing from within. Plan to arrive at the park early, as Manhattan Hinge only shines for a short time right before sundown at 8.21 p.m. And visit our Manhattan Hinge page at agreatbigcity.com slash manhattanhinge for more viewing locations. And now let's see what our robot friend is taking a shine to this weekend on the concert calendar. This is the AGBC concert calendar for the upcoming week. The Psychedelic Furs, Dear Boy, and James are playing the rooftop at Pier 17 on Friday, July 12th. Charlie Bliss is playing the Bowery Ballroom on Friday, July 12th. Freeze Pop and Mel Sleep are playing Mercury Lounge on Saturday, July 13th. The Weeks are playing Babies All Right on Saturday, July 13th. Marissa Adler and Wild Pink are playing the City Winery on Saturday, July 13th. Sat Summer, State Champs, May Day Parade, The Main, and The Wonder Years are playing the rooftop at Pier 17 on Tuesday, July 16th. David Allen Co. is playing Sony Hall on Tuesday, July 16th. Tijuana Panthers, Together Pangea, and Ultra Q are playing elsewhere on Wednesday, July 17th. Fluoride, Detach the Islands, Snubbed and Violent Opposition are playing St. Vitus Bar on Wednesday, July 17th. Rob Thomas with Abby Anderson are playing Bergen Performing Arts Center on Wednesday, July 17th at 8pm. Aries is playing Rough Trade NYC in Williamsburg on Wednesday, July 17th at 9pm. Spotlights, The Austerity Program, and Vampire are playing Sunnyvale on Thursday, July 18th. Lionel Richie is playing Radio City Music Hall in Midtown on Thursday, July 18th at 8 p.m. Carly Rae Jepsen and Manchinair are playing Hammerstein Ballroom in Midtown on Thursday, July 18th at 8 p.m. Soul Live is playing Brooklyn Bowl in Downtown Brooklyn on Thursday, July 18th at 8 p.m. Robin is playing the Barclays Center on Friday, July 19th. Billie Eilish is playing Radio City Music Hall on Friday, July 19th. 
Thanks for listening. Find more fun things to do at a greatbigcity.com slash events. Here's something you may not have known about New York. Central Park's Great Lawn was originally a reservoir of fresh water for the city's water supply system. In 1931, it was filled in with material excavated from Rockefeller Center and the 8th Avenue subway construction. Extreme highs and lows for this week in weather history. A record high of 102 degrees on July 15, 1995, and a record low of 54 degrees on July 13, 1888. Weather for the week ahead, light rain on Thursday and next Friday, with high temperatures approaching 90 for most of the week. Thanks for listening to A Great Big City. Follow along 24 hours a day on social media at A Great Big City, or email contact at A Great Big City with any news, feedback, or topic suggestions. Subscribe to A Great Big City News wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, Pocket Casts, or listen to each episode on the podcast pages at agreatbigcity.com slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening, and visit our podcast site to see show notes and extra links for each episode. Thanks for being part of a great big city.